as you remain standing in body or spirit, will come before God's word, very likely as Jesus and the disciples would have, by reciting uh, the prayer in Hebrew known as the Shema, and of course Jesus called it the great commandment. If you'll follow after me in Hebrew, we'll join together in English. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We continue this summer in the beginning of um, the book of Genesis, and today we talk about the creation of Eve, and that is uh, beginning in chapter 2, starting in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for this man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So it was the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. You may have seen um, the results of a major study conducted by the insurance company Cigna, uh, and the results were released on May the 1st. They had taken what's known as the UCLA Loneliness Scale, and they had interviewed and surveyed uh, more than 20,000 adults. And their findings uh, went something like this. They discovered that almost half of all Americans are lonely. 47% of Americans surveyed said that they were lonely. They found that between the ages of 18 and 22, uh, the loneliness was even more pronounced. And this was such a significant story that it got picked up and and spread all over the place. You probably saw it somewhere. It was on CBS um, News. It was on USA Today. It was on Market Watch, Forbes, uh, Fortune, uh, Newsweek Online, Time Magazine. They all picked up the story. When uh, asked for a comment, a spokesman for the creator of the universe referred back to an earlier comment in Genesis 2.18 where the creator of the universe said, it is not good to be alone. And I have to tell you this morning that God knew of what God spoke so many years ago. Uh, In these articles that were sent out on all these wires uh, and media platforms across the country, they also talked about some of the costs of loneliness uh, for people. And among the costs where there is a direct tie between loneliness and um, getting diabetes, heart disease, depression, and uh, drug addiction. They found that loneliness decreases one's lifespan and being lonely was equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
reminded me of the uh, work of Harvard sociologist Robert Putnam in his book, uh, uh, Bowling Alone, so many years ago, where he said, if you want to cut your chances of dying in half, he said, join a group. Get into relationships with other people. It is not good, said the creator, to be alone. Uh, In a a recent book about nine years ago, um, there was a university of Chicago researcher, and uh, he found in this book, Loneliness, a lot of the things that were released uh, six weeks ago, but he would add this. He also found that people who were lonely tended to make poor decisions uh, as they went through life, and they tended to be more critical of themselves and critical of other people. There are indeed great costs for loneliness. It is as God said, not good to be alone. But we need to stop for a moment and make a distinction this morning. Even if you are in the midst of a bunch of people, you can still be lonely. Adam finds himself in the garden with all sorts of things to do and, and all sorts of creatures that he personally has gotten the opportunity to name, and yet he is Uh, nevertheless alone. In the uh, book written by the University of Chicago researcher called Loneliness in 2008, uh, one woman uh, emailed the research team and said this. She said, uh, when I would tell people that I was lonely, they would say, but you're married. She said, they didn't understand that there is a difference between being by yourself and being lonely. Uh, Brene Brown, in a book that Dinah reviewed this summer, called Braving the Wilderness, talks about she can be at book signings or she can be speaking at events and still feel very lonely. So she says when the lonely feeling uh, comes upon her, she goes up to her uh, hotel room and, and, and debriefs for a bit and then calls home and gets back in touch with those relationships. You can be surrounded by people, by children, by animals and activities in the Garden of Eden and still be alone. And it's not good. And so one of the questions I asked this morning is, how did God know that? Aside from the fact that God is God. And biblically, the answer seems to be, God had experienced loneliness at some level. Uh, One of the um, uh, existentialist philosophers of the 20th century, Martin Buber, put it this way. He said, in the beginning, there was relationship. Not just the God who wanted to be, but the God who wanted to be with. In other words, as God created, one of the reasons God created was that God perhaps felt alone and wanted the companionship of creation. And so God knows, in a sense, that it's not good almost through personal experience for us to be alone. God also, I can figure um, a way to solve this problem. I I think we've tried, according to the article that that hit all the news sources back May the 1st, there are a number of things that we as human beings try to compensate and overcome for loneliness, and typically they haven't worked. Among the things are consumerism. One uh, one response to loneliness among people is they'll, they'll go out and shop. Uh, to try to overcome the lonely feeling. There was a guy in the University of Chicago research who told the researcher, he lived in California, and he said, let me describe my life in California. He said, like so many others here, he said, I am in debt, I live in a multi-million dollar home, and I eat takeout pizza every night. 
Their, the consumerism, everything he had didn't compensate for the fact that there was no, no one uh, with whom to share everything he had. So consumerism uh, has not tended to work. Competition is another thing the Chicago research pointed out that, that we tend to want to engage in here in, uh, in North America. And, uh, and he found in his work that that actually works against our deep need to be in relationship. And so um, he was talking uh, about the fact that really human beings are wired not to compete, but we're really wired to cooperate. That's how we were created. I'm reminded of the uh, best-selling um, author, and when uh, a few years ago made this comment, she wrote her third bestseller in a row. And, and they asked her, now that you've reached the top, is there anything you wish you would have known before you got here? And her comment was very telling. She said, yeah, I wish someone would have told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there and there's no one there. Even the competition doesn't seem to meet that need that we have to help the loneliness uh, go away. So people will try the consumerism. People will try the competition. Um, a newer generation uh, will tend to turn to social media. Now, the, um, uh, the results are pretty clear that social media uh, does not help with loneliness. Where the results tend to be still up in the air are whether social media actually contribute to our sense of loneliness, and, and the experts are divided on that. But, there's, uh, but apparently being online, on Facebook, on Instagram, is not a substitute for uh, what God intended uh, for us to have because God knew the problem. So God, of course, designed the answer. And that's what we find here in the story of the creation of, uh, of the woman. And uh, the first thing we need to know is that uh, different phrases are used when God says a suitable helper, our different translations are used. Um, helper is an interesting translation. It may not be the best one because the same word that is used for helper in Genesis 2 is used all the way through the Psalms and it's used to refer to God as the helper who gives us military victories and gives us triumphs. And so sometimes when people think of, well, God created the first woman as a helper, it was almost like God created this woman in, uh, in a, just a, almost a demeaning position, uh, uh, sort of like gopher. Of, and, and that's not the Hebrew sense at all. The Hebrew sense is there's this full partnership uh, that that each needs the other, and to make that that picture, the, or to make that point, the Bible has the picture that the first woman is created not out of the head to dominate, or out of the feet to be stepped on, but out of the side to go along with. So God's answer to loneliness is that we have a, a, a partner, we have helper, that we have other relationships. And so one could argue for marriage and family life as, as one of the answers to that. But I would say any significant relationships and friendships uh, fulfill what God intended for us, which is we simply need others. Because other people will help do for us what we cannot do alone. Among the benefits of being in relation with others that, uh, that I've seen are, first of all, uh, in the Bible, it's very interesting that the first man, Adam, is called in Hebrew, Adam, which basically means dirt. He's called like dirt guy all the way uh, through um, chapter two until he utters this poem. When, when the first woman is brought to him, he said, I'm going to call her woman in Hebrew. That's not Adama, it's Isha. 
because she came out of man, and, and he doesn't say dirt. He says man for the first time, even though in English it showed up a couple times, and the word is ish. But what's interesting is when scholars look at this, they say there's a way that you can read this that says Adam doesn't really know who he is until he meets Eve. So in the sense that until we meet other people, we don't know ourselves fully. There's a term in psychology they'll use for that sometimes, and in other places called mirroring. We, we need another person to, in a sense, show us who we are. There are things that we cannot know about ourselves uh, apart from having a significant relationship in our life. So I would say that one of the things that comes, the benefit of having someone else is some self-knowledge. Typically for me, better decisions. You know, I, I tend to, in my life, get stuck in the forest and having another person there helps me get above the trees. I had a meeting uh, not too long ago with... Um, denominational um, superiors. And as I got ready to go to that meeting, my wife took a moment before I went out the door and reminded me of my value and reminded me of, of good things I had done because she knows me. And she knows that I might get into a meeting with, with higher-ups and tend to think little of myself or downplay my situation. I couldn't see that, but she could see it in me. So the advantage of others is I think we can see ourselves better. We can see our situation better and therefore make better decisions. Um, I think the advantage of others is there are things we simply can't do or create alone. It's, it's with other people together that we, that things come out. Uh, there was a scholar some years ago and she made this comment that I've never forgotten. forgotten. She said, if you look through human history, every great invention was the product of conversation. Every great invention probably involved at least two or more people talking about it and working it through. Again, the existentialist philosopher Martin Buber said that usually beauty is not located within someone. Beauty and creativity is located in between people. So he said beauty is not in the speaking, but in the speaking and the listening. Beauty is not in the giving or the receiving, but the giving and receiving. So there's this interchange that unless there is more than just us by ourselves, uh, we will miss uh, the creativity. And finally, which is probably obvious to all of you, and that is that uh, we need other people for support. There are th- Remember last week we talked about Adam has all this stuff to do. He's got a, a job in the garden. He's put there with a job, but the job is bigger than he can do with by himself. And so it takes support. It takes others. There's an old African proverb that goes something like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. And I think God has a sense of looking at Adam. There are things and places where God wants Adam to go and knows that Adam cannot get there on his own. As I mentioned, the University of Chicago researcher said that human beings are wired for cooperation. That's how God put us together. He said he thinks the fundamental dynamic in, in, uh, in humankind is cooperation, not competition. And so he laments all the time we spent competing with each other because we're actually missing what may be um, in store for us. I'm reminded of uh, the story, the researcher, uh, 
Kayakopa, uh, I think is how, or Syacopa, it's how you pronounce, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but um, anyway, he talks about, he goes to, um, as other academics, he goes and presents papers. And so uh, he's been invited to present a paper before social scientists on his work on human connection in Grenada, uh, Spain. And so he's in a hurry. So he asks his assistant, just will you make the, the reservations for me? He was working on a book or something. And, uh, and so he just picks up the tickets the morning he's supposed to leave. Doesn't really look at them, gets the airport and notices, hmm, I'm going to Miami first, from Chicago to Miami, then to Europe. That seems a little strange, but he gets on the plane, goes to Miami. In Miami, he's transferred, and he's put on one of these very small planes. And he's like, well, that's kind of interesting to cross the Atlantic and something like this. But he's tired. He's been working a lot. He falls asleep. Plane hits the ground. Uh, he lands. He gets off, gets his luggage, and he's still just kind of waking up and calls a taxi. And in Spanish, he says to the taxi driver to go to the Savoy Hotel, and he gives the address. And the taxi driver says, what did you say, mon? And he thought, uh-oh. And he looks, and of course, he's on the Caribbean island of Grenada. He's gone to the complete wrong place. He said, so I go back to the airline desk, and the flight, next flight to the United States isn't till 6 o'clock the next morning back to Miami. He said, so I will never make it to Spain. In front of my peers, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to show up to deliver this paper. And he's very frustrated. The airline is kind to him. They book him in a hotel. And actually, it's a very nice hotel. It's a resort. And he's frustrated. This has never happened to him. He's so embarrassed professionally. What will this do? And he thinks for a moment, well, they know my work. Uh, they can read the paper. I don't have to read it to them. And he thought, you know, this kind of is a nice hotel. They put me in a resort. So he goes downstairs um, uh, that evening to the bar, and he meets uh, some uh, footballers, soccer players, professionals on vacation with their family. Well, he's a huge soccer fan and played in college. Not a great player, but he played. So they start talking about soccer. And they, are, they laugh and they tease and the stories they tell about life uh, in the um, English Premier League uh, are fascinating. And he said uh, he has great fun. And before he knows it, it's time for him to go to the airport. He's been up all night. And he gets on the taxi and gets back on the plane. And he thinks, you know, this showed me two things. One is that I've been writing about how important human beings are for each other and we need the connection. And he said, the connection with these footballers, he said, brought me out of my funk and gave me perspective just on my situation. He said it was actually just a one-day vacation. And he said, but I also realized if I hadn't gone downstairs, I would have just lived in my embarrassment and my failure. So he said, I learned two points. Human connection is very important, but sometimes we have to make ourselves available for that connection. So I would tell you the good news is that God created us to be in relationship with other people because that's what we need. The bad news is that you and I may have to extend ourselves to find relationships. I'm reminded of uh, the old story Fred Craddock tells he was growing up in the, a large farmhouse in the Depression era, and it had a big, big porch, big front porch. And, and he and his sister would play hide and seek, and they'd get on the front porch together, and, um, and she would be it, and he'd have to go hide. But he said, the problem with playing with my sister is she always cheated. And so she, I'd go to hide, and she'd be on the front porch, and she'd go one, two, 
93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 99, 100, ready or not. And he said, of course, I never had time to go anywhere. And she'd always find me. He said, then one day before we played, I noticed that there was a way to get under the front porch. There was a slight opening. And then if I got under there, I could get under there in less than 10 seconds and she wouldn't find me. So sure enough, his sister was it. So uh, uh, he went to hide and she did what she always does. She cheated. One, two, three, 96, 97, 98, 99, ready or not. And she came and looked. And sure enough, she couldn't find him. Five minutes, he's smiling. She's not going to find me. After 10 minutes, he's saying, she's not going to find me. After about 20 minutes, he's thinking, you know, she's not going to find me. So he said, I stuck my leg out the hole and she found me. All of us as human beings, I think, want to be found, but may have to stick an arm, a hand, or leg out to the people around us.